Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. everyone, this is Geraldo Magalara, and welcome to another episode of A Fit Life on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? On our show today, we will be speaking with Rosemarie Boschman Berzilla. She is an internationally acclaimed expert in the field of permanent cosmetics, microblading, areola tattooing, and permanent camouflage with more than 22 years of experience as an industry-leading practitioner, trainer, and speaker. She is the founder of the Bow Institute, which is located in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, which over the last 25 years has specialized in both performing and training in permanent makeup, areola and scalp tattooing, scar camouflage, and presently microblading. Please help me welcome to a fit life Rosemary Boschman Berzella. Hello, Rosemary. How are you? Hi. I am great. Thank you, Margo. I'm honored to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So we've got a great topic to talk about today. And I'm I'm happy that you can make um, the podcast because this is something that, you know, has not been talked about, in my view, um, you know, recently about tattooing and, and the benefits and all that. So Let's start off with some basic, simple questions. Tell me about areola tattooing and who's a good candidate for that? Well, we don't think of men and women, but it, it, it is. There are men with breast cancer. I think um, Beyonce's dad just made the news and he was diagnosed with breast cancer. It does strike men. Um, so what can happen is they may require a mastectomy, which is the removal of the entire breast. And when that happens, if they're not a candidate for what we call nipple sparing, then that nipple, that reality needs to be put back. So both men and women can require uh, nipple, uh, the, the whole complex tattooed. So there's something new that they've kind of coined, which is really interesting. It's called 4D. We always did a 3D areola, and that would be like on a breast mound where the person was reconstructed. So right now we're talking about women. They're reconstructed and they have a beautiful breast mound, but no, it has no face. It has no personality. It's not familiar to her and she's not feeling really good looking in the mirror. So we always did a 3D effect for that nipple uh, areola and it was always gorgeous. Now they are going back and doing a nipple and letting that heal for three months. And then we go in and do the tattoo. And it's even more beautiful because the breasts, uh, they usually, we usually wait three to four months. They have settled into their permanent place. You know, they'll tend to drop just a little bit. And then we can go in and tattoo with just perfect symmetry. Hmm. So that that's, is, that's the new kid on the block. That is very interesting. Um, 
I have obviously a daughter and, and a wife, and they both had their um, eyebrows done. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. is that is that one of the most popular things that you do in your practice? It is. You know, and a lot of people, especially in the medical field, will come into this uh, this profession, and you know, they want to make a big difference. You know, and and of course they're thinking scars, nipple, areola, all of those things. But you have no idea what an eyebrow can do for a, a person. It can change their life because you're kind of expressionless without them. And when that woman wakes up in the morning and goes to the mirror, she's done. And it's very difficult to get a matching pair every day. Mm, that's true, you know, right? Women will come in and say, it took me 45 minutes to get my brows on, you know. And they can't believe they're going to wake up with them done. And when I did makeup, it was all, always the term, if I could only take you home. And now they got to take you home, which is great. Right. So it's a, it's a great relief. Uh, there are women that wouldn't swim, wouldn't answer the door, wouldn't walk their dog, go to the mailbox. And now suddenly she has the freedom to do all of these things without worrying about not having eyebrows. Hmm. So this really, yeah, they're really dramatic. Yeah. Describe to me the type of people you get at your practice. Oh gosh. You know, our demographics are incredible. They're probably 25 to 85. Uh, I really don't know another profession, you know, that is quite that broad in terms of aesthetics and it's um, your young girls will come in and they want a little bit of a fill in a little bit of microblading and then your older women you know, sometimes after 50, they can't see. They have glasses on. And now they're trying to draw two eyebrows alike through eyeglasses and a magnifier. And it's just a nightmare. So very often, um, women will get that presbyopia, even starting in their 40s. So it's, um, it, that's huge. And of course, now we have the baby boomers. Hmm. And they really are having a problem with vision. So um, it's, it's just life-changing. Yeah, it sounds like life-changing. So let's go back a little bit into your past, a little bit of memory lane, basically. How, how did you get started with all this? You know, I did hair and I did makeup. Um, I did wardrobe. I even taught color to the blind. I had this whole program. Uh, I volunteered in Philadelphia for years and I, I just believed in it. So, and then I kind of plateaued and I felt like there was more, there was something more and had no idea what it was. And I just kind of stopped and um, handed the hair practice over to somebody and the makeup to someone and just stopped moving so that I could let something come to me or hear about it. I got a phone call from a friend husband which was really interesting and mm -hmm. he said uh, I need you in my radiology center because he went from radiology to mammography and all he heard were these women that were so saddened from the loss of their brows the loss of their lashes of course the loss of their hair and it was devastating and then the loss of their breasts I mean this is a very uh, compound survival you know it really is and, you know, we, we take it so lightly when we hear uh, I'm, a, I'm a survivor. And when you go back and realize what they survived, it's, it's pretty remarkable. 
So anyway, he said, uh, I want you to learn permanent makeup. And I said, what's that? This is in the late 80s. And he said, well, it's tattooing. And I said, have you lost your mind? <laughs> have you lost your mind, right? <laughs> it, was, it was such a taboo thing then. It really was. Yes. You know, I was raising two sons. And at the time, I thought, I think if they came home with a tattoo, I would have died. You know? <laughs> it was really, really taboo. So anyway, um, I looked into it. I went out west. That's the only place it was offered because the mm -hmm. developers were in Beverly Hills. So everything was out west. And I found somebody out there that was like amazing. And I traveled back and forth until I felt comfortable. And then, um, so by the time I got there, he said, uh, well, I'm going to Cooper. They, they kind of bought out the radiology center. So he said, I'm going to give you three plastic surgeons. This is who you're going to interview with. And I picked the first one. Wow. And it was a great pick. <laughs> and so I started out working with him for the first 10 years mm. and coming from a non-medical background and suddenly thrown into that medical field. It was so exciting. I can't even tell you I, the things that I saw because he was really into reconstruction and, you know, car accidents. We had no seatbelts. Then right. there were no seatbelt laws, I should say. And to see the things that he did, and then I would patch up the residual scarring and he was doing mastectomies and it was just, it was everything. So um, it was the, it was the best thing I ever did. Hmm. Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. So I know that over the years, especially in the eighties, that's when plastic surgery became the hot thing, correct? That's when it started basically around yes. the eighties, eighty nine. Obviously, yeah. right. Obviously, obviously today's procedures are very common, right? The, the rhinoplasty, the nose and, and, and all that. Do you, do you think maybe it has gone too far maybe to respect? You no, know, I, I think, I think if you look at someone, and their lips turn the corner first. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and, okay. You know, Interesting. It, always extremes. You know, the, we used to use the term uh, a cat in a cyclone fence. You know, they hmm. were the old facelifts. Right. And they were so extreme and so pulled and, and you were almost disfigured. And then they would do these heavy peels on top. So now she had this waxy look and pulled and it was just dreadful and um the thing that i think is so amazing about the procedures today is the natural way that the surgeons make women look you don't you shouldn't you shouldn't look done hmm. it could be subtle like a, a good night's rest or you had a great vacation there really should not be those extreme telltale signs and that's what, you know, women today consider a great plastic surgeon. Wow. Let's talk about the Bow Institute. Let's tell them about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the idea? Um, well, you know, I, like I said, I started out with uh, Dr. Uh, Ronald Warren in Mount Laurel. And then uh, I was in his office for the first 10 years. And then finally, some space opened up in his building and I was able to expand. We both needed room to spread out. And um, my last name being Beauchemin, meaning beautiful pathway, I decided 
Bell was perfect. It is so, perfect. <laughs> uh, Bell Institute was pretty self-explanatory, and I kept it simple. Hmm. And uh, and then I began teaching because now I had the room to really expand on that. And um, and basically, from lay people to tattoo artists to nurses to PAs, surgeons themselves, and because there was a huge demand, I was traveling literally all over the world hmm. um, and teaching it and um, basically presenting it. And it was really, it was just the timing. I was so blessed. That's all hmm. I can tell you. you. know, I don't know if that travel will ever go back to where it was, you know, where somebody's going to fly you to Amsterdam or Spain or whatever, but uh, I don't know that it'll go back, but I am so blessed that I I was I lived it and uh, I was able to do it. So now it's just about basically uh, running the practice, the people traveling to us. We've really carved out a place in the training world. Um, we are, uh, we've worked so hard. I teach the way I wanted, I would have wanted to learn. Hmm. If I could have had a week with somebody, you know, six days of somebody straight and doing hands-on, which is so necessary. That's how, that's how we teach. And we're known for support. And we always tell our trainees, we don't go away. We're always yeah. here. They can send pictures. They can send emails. They can text us. Uh, they'll need us mostly the first year out. And, um, and they become hugely successful. Wow. We, really, we have a great history, yeah. Very and how long, so the practice has been, for how many years now you've been practicing with them? Oh, gosh. Uh, it's like 30 years. Wow. It's insane. I know. When you say it, it <laughs> right. you know, when you actually verbalize, it doesn't sound real. But um, it's 30 years. Yeah, 1990. Wow, that's great. So yeah. let me, let's, let's go into the, uh, the procedures, basically, a little bit. Um, when is a good time to have a procedure, uh, especially after you've had, you know, cancer surgery, because a lot of people, individuals, unfortunately have cancer. And um, so when, when is a good time for somebody who's had either cancer surgery or has had an operation? When is a good time to go and see you? Well, we, we do not allow anyone to come in without medical clearance, because they, we have no idea what that woman's been through. Any kind of a complication. Did she have... Um, a contracture, which comes from the result of radiation, it kind of pulls on the skin. And so she may have had asymmetry and maybe the surgeon holding his or her breath had to go back in and even thought, we have no idea what that woman has been through and how fragile we're going to be working on. So we insist on medical clearance. And um, generally, it's about three months after the um, the implants are positioned. And now there's, again, a new kid on the block. There's a procedure called a DEEP, uh, and it's D-I-E-P. And there are women that don't want anything artificial in their body, especially when it comes to silicones. And Correct, yeah. The, so this procedure, you have to have enough meat. You have to have enough fat in your belly. And it's a microvascular surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, it takes a very long time to do. And if, geez, when it first started, there were a handful in the whole country. Now it, you see more and more of it. And they literally bring the fat up 
without cutting it out, but they bring it up through the cavity into the breast. So it feels exactly like their breast. And then they'll do, you know, they usually give them a little bit of a, a tummy tuck with it. So, you know, it just keeps getting better and better. You know, I remember working on one girl and I was really having a hard time. I changed my needle. I put my a little more pressure. I turned up my machine. Mm-hmm. And finally I said, where is this tissue from? And it was from her, her glutes. It was mm-hmm. from her behind. <laughs> and it, was, it was really tough skin to get, you know, tough to get color in. But yeah, it's so amazing. They'll take it from the inner thigh, mm-hmm. take it from places that the woman really would like it. In a perfect world, you know, it's like, okay, where can we take it from? And you're going to feel better. You're going to get a bonus. Right. We're going to give you your breasts. So hmm. it's, um, it's more exciting now than it's ever, ever, ever been. And um, I just love, you know, reading about it. This nipple sparing thing um, is the hot new thing. Um, if they don't, if they can take everything out and spare that nipple and areola, then she gets to keep her own. So she's familiar right away. Right. She's familiar immediately. And if not, then generally um, she'll, you know, she has to wait. Usually the surgeons want me to wait three months. Hmm. What we find, this is the big thing. Okay. The areola tattooing. What we find is that if I were to average out the amount of time women wait to come in to get their tattoo, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's it's like three years. And wow. I've had them as long as 18. Imagine huh. that. Wow. And I guess the the most prominent reason is that they can't do one more thing. She has been through hell and back. She's faced her own mortality. She's had radiation, chemotherapy, maybe complications, contractions, whatever. She's been through all of this and then the surgeries. So um, she's just not, she's not up for it. So she blocks it out. And what's so interesting is very often their husbands walk them in here. Really? Yeah. And, um, you know, the husband's like, you know what? It's, It's time. Let's go do this. Huh. And now she would not be able to go back to her insurance company because right. that, you know, so we do it free all the time because we can, because we're a training institute. Wow. So we have, yeah, if we have doctors and nurses observing um, that that woman doesn't have to pay. And that's, that's really a big. That is big, remarkable. That's remarkable. Yeah. And then we have an event once a year, we have a, um, we have our day of hope and we make that event with a luncheon, hoping that other practitioners around the world will at least, they may not be able to do it free all the time, but if they do one day, we can really create some, some ripples. So the day of hope is uh, certainly for, you know, our, the, the surgeons in the area and they all know who we are and they trust us, send us beautiful letters and um, they know how well we take care of their patients, but they also know that we are not going to touch that patient without medical clearance. And if there's any question whatsoever, they're going to get a phone call. That's terrific. So that, that's what keeps us going. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so, very lucky. Out, we're lucky. <laughs> so you talked about women. What about men? 
do, do you see a lot of men in the practice? Well, we see a lot of men that have lost their brows because they do too, especially okay. the arch. The arch goes first and that does all the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may come in for a little microblading and add a few hairs that they feel like they lost. Um, and, or it could be scars or it could be vitiligo, which is that discoloration mm-hmm. um, disorder, or it could be scalps. You know, we do a lot of men and women uh, coloring their scalps. You know, the men, it's a little different. It's that very fine, fine pointillism. Right. And women, it could just be shading in a part that's just looking too wide or, you know, getting too sparse. So, um, but we do see, we do see men, not as many as women, not nearly as many as women. But they're very comfortable coming in and that's important they feel like when they come through the door that they're in a professional setting they're not in uh, a ladies hair salon they're not in you know a, a nail boutique you know, sure. they're coming into a professional setting and the men and women are really both comfortable coming in yeah i noticed about that in your um in your website, you mentioned about the the warm environment when people come in, which is very important, right? To make people feel at home, comfortable, really soothing. Yeah. I think it's very important to get that that mindset, right? It's, it's it truly is. And and you know, it makes it's funny because our last place in Mount Laurel was more uh, kind of not like maybe like Tuscany, old world, and this place is much more contemporary. But I still had to give it that warmth. It was so important that it had that warmth. I can't do austere, you know, it's right. just not, to me, if I walk into a place that's, that's that austere, I kind of get stiffened up. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to see, you know, uh, good taste, comfort, big chairs that a man can sit in and not feel like it's going to fall apart under him. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, I want, I do, I want that real comfortable um, and luxurious feeling but not hmm. stiff in any way. Right. So let me ask you a little personal question. What, what, do, you, what do you do to stay fit? Anything you do? Um, well, my, okay, my husband works <laughs> in New York, okay? Okay. And he bought me home a little souvenir called COVID-19. Oh, no. We both had it really bad. Oh, my yeah. Lord. I did not know that. So when... Um, but I would go up to New York a lot of weekends, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, it's a lot more fun to go there than New Jersey. And uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was exciting. And I think the fact that we know it's temporary, right. you know, putting up a big building and, you know, it'll have a, an end someday. So um, we would walk miles, 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 miles. And, you know, you're just, you look at your Fitbit and you're just blown away. Of course. And you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just keep going. And we do that in the daytime, come back, get changed, go to di- and do it again. So I think that um, that was really my way of staying fit. And then it, it, we had a place in, in Florida, which we don't see too much of because we're both busy. But when we get down there, it's the same thing. You're walking, you're in right. the pool, you're walking. You're in the- so that was really sustaining me. Um, since the, the COVID, uh, and then I did some yoga with friends, you know, we'd all meet. And then of course. Go have yes, of course. And, um, but yoga is going to be my, my recovery. 
you know, I'm um, starting now with stretching and then I will go to yoga. I'm not a jump out of bed, throw sneakers on and hit the street. I am not. <laughs> I was never that person. I'm like low impact, uh, <laughs> a different energy and yoga. Yoga is definitely it. So that's I can't wait to have that strength. But this really, this really took a lot out of me. Of course. So, well, then, then you're, you're fine now, right? Obviously you're both fine. Fine, but we are donating plasma next week. Oh, yes, we have that's remarkable. We just came back. We were so excited, you know, because it's all about, you know, well, what can I do with this? You know, mm. once you recover, it's like, there has to be something to come out of this. And that was really, that was our payoff, you know, to know wow. that we, yeah, we're candidates. How long did it take you to recover then? Rosemary? Uh, actually, it took me five weeks. Wow. Five yeah. weeks. Yeah, five weeks. And then, because you start to feel okay, and then you do a little bit too much, you know, right. something putting on your nerves that you didn't tackle, and you tackle it. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing, like you were recovering from like a, a horrific flu. And then, um, so yeah, it takes a while to really, my husband, he's fine. He did much better. He had a fever for two days. And, um, and he really kind of, blew it off and it, it just hung around for me wow we're, we're good Got the oh that's button. great that's yeah. great I'm, I'm happy to hear that i'm happy to hear that yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple more questions uh, first the i know you travel i mean obviously once once this pandemic will be over which is hopefully soon um i understand you you are a um speaker as well do you have any anything planned that uh, you want to let our listeners know about you know, uh, the thing that was canceled, and I was heartbroken, uh, mm. right when, when the pandemic hit, was um, in, at, on the University of Columbus campus, the, there's a breast cancer center called the Stephanie Spielman Breast Cancer Center. Okay. And apparently he was a football player, and he lost his wife, Stephanie, hmm. when she was in her 40s. She was very young. And... He, um, he developed this hospital, and I've never seen anything like it. There's mm. a floor on the first floor. So whatever mm. stage a woman is going through in her surgery, or even if she's not a candidate yet for surgery, they will fit her for clothing and prosthesis and bras and all of that. It's just amazing. It has mm. big chandeliers, and it's all glass, and it's bright. And everybody's smiling and it's cheery. And of course, there's, it's nothing but breast cancer. So they um, really want to do the best areola tattoos possible. So that is one of my, it'll be my third time back because the, sometimes the um, PAs will rotate uh, or right. they'll just do more. And mm. then, you know, everybody gets another class. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and that's, that's a, you know, short trip. They're only two days. And then upstate New York, believe it or not, there's okay. uh, a lot going on and Sloan Kettering and some of the, you know, drivable. Sure. Um, but I don't have anything for, uh, for Europe right now. Okay. And I don't I'd be, to be honest with you. I think yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough, tough call, right? Yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my last question, and then I want to give out some of your social media handles. Um, somebody, if you had to give somebody advice that would like to uh, follow your footsteps, what, what would that advice be to them? 
Well, the, the, the first thing that I do when we have a new class and I welcome them, uh, I let them know immediately. Uh, I don't want to set myself apart from them. And I let them know immediately that we have a common thread and they're here to make women feel better because we're still dominating, you know, our, our practices are mostly women. So they, they dominate. Right. So they want to make people feel better and you definitely feel better when you look better. That's not, a, you know, it's not trite. It's not something that, you know, you just say without meaning, we say it with tremendous meaning because we see it every day. And like I said, whether it's an eyebrow, whether it's an areola, a scar, it doesn't matter. It's really, um, it, it just changes their life, their outlook um, uh, every day. It's amazing. So I let them know that number one, we all have this in common. And then our job is to teach them. Hmm. And then uh, I find out what they're doing. And then I let them know some of the places that are really obvious that they can go. So for instance, if they say, well, you know, uh, I'm, um, I, I work in a tattoo shop. Oh, great. Well, you know, you can work a couple of days in the tattoo shop and a couple of days in the surgery center, you right. know? So I try and give them, and if I have a PA, then I let them know, uh, you can form your own LLC and work in a tattoo shop on Saturday and Sunday. And That's it's great. like, light up. It's so <laughs> You know, and I tell them you're president of your own company on Saturday, you know, Saturday at the end of the day, you are president of your own company and we're going to give you as many options as we can. So that is, um, I want them to feel the exhilaration of, of all of the ways that they can work and they don't have to pick one. They can actually have more than one. So um, I, I think it's just exciting if they have young children they can work part-time, you know, they can work uh, a little bit more toward evening. Like they, they can just put their life around, put their life, lives first. A lot of people coming into class are burned out with whatever they're doing. So they're looking for something that they have more control of. Mm. And I like to let them know right up front, this is it. You can, you know, mm. you can hundred hours a week, you can work, right? We can still, you know, and still do okay. That's great. That's awesome. Um, the address of Ready Institute is, if you don't mind we sharing. Are, um, we're in the Tuscany marketplace on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. It's uh, 1990. Um, it's a big center with a salon, an Italian restaurant and a famous Bobby Shea. We've got <laughs> in our center and um we are uh probably i would say in the middle right in the middle lewis christian is in there but, you okay. know, a ton of traffic and great exposure wow and your social media handles um bowinstitute.com mm -hmm. and um the um I'm, I'm just gonna be right up front and admit that we i do have somebody handling social media. <laughs> so, um, not sure the little Twitter handle, but um, I mean, everything from that, you can get to all of those platforms from sure. the web. We're on, of course, Twitter and um, Instagram. Instagram as well, right. And, and we have a YouTube channel. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, so everything's bowinstitute.com. Wow. 
Rosemary, this has been a pleasure. I, I'm really interested in what it, what you uh, about the topic, and I'm glad you can be on my podcast. So I'm uh, I, I'm going to check out your website more frequently now for sure, for sure. Oh, awesome! <laughs> You're welcome. Thank absolutely. Thank you for being on the podcast, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. Well, that is it, guys, for this episode of A Fit Life. I want to thank our guest again, Rosemary Boschman, for being on the show. It was very interesting, uh, and I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Any comments or questions you'd like to submit, you can do so at Eraldo Meglara on Instagram and Twitter. In closing, if you are interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. For a fit life, I'm Eraldo Meglara here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.